Hello and welcome back to another one of Henry Weston's Old Mate, the podcast. It's Turf Talk. It's James Matthewman. Uh, I am your host, Stuart. We are going to be talking all things greenkeeping. Before we get over to James, if you are watching this on YouTube or listening to us on any of the podcast providers such as Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, all the big ones, please just like, rate, review, share the hell out of it. This is going out as a YouTube video because me and James are such good looking blokes. Uh, so just share it around. Um, enough of that. Enough of me. James, you've been on before. I'm not going to ask you to introduce yourself, but you are move, moving through the ranks of legendary status within the greenkeeping industry. Um, how are you since we last spoke, my friend? Oh, I don't even know where to start, mate. Um, I'm good, to be honest. I be honest it's it's been a bit of a whirlwind the twitter yeah. it's had its ups and downs you know you get your uh your idiots you also get a lot of support more support than you get idiots mind but um but no no i've been uh been great man it's been a tough old winter but yeah. um yeah everything's going right season's starting and uh yeah looking forward to uh some good weather i hope <laughs> good and what, what I should do and probably should have done before I got you to briefly introduce yourself there, uh, you're making your second appearance on the podcast, James. You came on, I should have looked at the date, but I'd say it was eight or nine months ago now, just after you'd released, I think, six or seven of your now famous Twitter videos. And you were kind enough to give me the best part of an hour of your time. And we got to know you a little bit and we got to know a bit more about the videos uh what you've done is you'd release videos on general what we might even say were basic greenkeeping tasks and problems you've done pitch marks you've done hole changing etc um this pod this chat i think what i'd rather do is sort of catch up more on how things have been for you you just said it was a tough winter i'd like to get into that uh you went through and made the final stages of a very prestigious apprentice work-based apprentice award. I want to get into that. I want to pick your brains about the stresses and strains of fungicide free greenkeeping, because it's something that is going to be the future. I think whether we like it or not, uh, it's something I would like to adopt going forward in my place of work. But dare I say it, uh, I haven't been brave enough yet. Um, a few other things are going to come up along the way, but, since we last spoke, James, you've been you've released some more content. We'll go through that in a bit, but let's just start with fortunately with what's just ended, the bloody winter and a wet winter. I it's it's been wet for everyone. I'm fortunate that down on my part of the south coast of England, we miss a lot of the rain, but we've still been wet. I'm free draining. Luckily, at Westgate Birchard to Golf Club, I'm free draining and we don't get much rain. That's probably going to bring a tear to your eye. Just <laughs> give us a little overview of, I don't know, October, November, when 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 winter started and, and what did it throw up for you this year, mate? Uh, right, okay. Well, October, I think, oh, I can't remember when it actually started. I mean, it, it just starts up here and once it starts, it's... Um, relentless the rain obviously when they built the course years ago i think this course was generally well like most golf courses they were built for summer golf weren't they but yeah. i think this place was very cleverly designed no irrigation you know, the same scenario where you can only play it 
I, I can't I don't know the exact date, but let's just say they didn't play in the winter. Yeah. But obviously, as you know, golf is um 365 day sport now, which uh, yeah. makes the job very tough as it is. But on the site we are on, like I don't have to tell people how much rain we get because I think every other post I put up <laughs> is about a new world record uh, rainfall. Um, but yeah, it's just we. We, we get to the point where we can't even do the simplest of tasks. Like there are some points where we could cut the greens, but we couldn't get to them. Um, just, I mean, just going around changing, if we've got to change the bins, it's a it's such a hard task because we've got paths for, I think it's nine holes, but then you haven't got nothing to get around the rest of the course. And of course, you know, you've got to do those jobs, but you're making a mess doing those jobs. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying the golfers don't understand because they, they, they do to a certain degree, but they don't appreciate how hard it is when you're having that amount of rainfall. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, it's, and it, yeah. You know, it, it, it is. It's just, it's just a kick in the teeth because you're trying your best, but sometimes I feel like they don't... They don't... How, how can I put this now without uh, sounding too harsh? I feel like they don't. They, they think we're not putting in as much effort as we should be. When it's not, that's not the case. We just simply can't do the jobs we want to do because of the rainfall. You know? and, and it's something that I, I, I again I won't I won't touch on too much of my personal experiences because I don't want to portray a negative image to my members because my members in my club much like yours are, are very very supportive everything in life there's small yeah. minorities that either don't understand or sadly some choose to not understand but that's the way it is um how does you know how 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 does that or, or how are you set up because I'm, I'm am i right in thinking that you're pretty much a no closure policy where you are james at, at yeah. Masteg? um yeah I'm fortunate that I am. I very rare. I I think I closed for three days last winter. I restricted trolleys and wheels a lot more than my membership have been used to in the past, and that was met with some varying degrees of acceptance. But um, how do you, how do you go about it? if if you don't close? Are you able to restrict buggies, pull trolleys, electric trolleys, or is it a bit of a free for all? Um, obviously buggies is an absolute no-go. Yeah. You know, winter time it is generally path only. And we've got a nine, a sort of a nine-hole track which they can play without ruining the course to a certain degree. There's one little part where they have to drive on the uh, grass, but it's it's built on ash, so it's not too bad. But like I said, we don't close at all. I believe it or not, we actually did close last year. I think it was for two or three days because it was literally underwater. You know, you, you you couldn't physically. Do you know what I mean? The ducks. We had yeah. ducks. Do you know what I mean? I haven't seen a duck. Do you know what I mean? And we had ducks in the bunk, and I thought, do you know what? This just sums it up. And I, yeah, we shut for two or three days, but we don't normally close. But we it came to a point where, you know, you. You try and give the benefit of the doubt because you, you, you don't want to see the members not like if we'd done it by the book, the members wouldn't play because yeah. it just is so constantly wet because it's built on peat and clay. It doesn't drain. If we have a good winter, we'll have a decent golf course. If we get on and off rain, you can basically forget it, you know. So yeah. 
having a no-close policy, it's very difficult coming into the spring then when you've got to start prepping your course, building it up for the season, and it, and you just look around and you see so many worn areas where you know try and stop people walking there, but they'll end up walking there. And we did actually rope off a few areas this year, which was new, which did work, believe it or not, yeah. which impressed me this year because I, I I'm not a massive fan of roping off and sending people certain ways but where we roped it off we actually sent them on the stone gravel path so they, they physically weren't touching the, the grass until they were getting to the actual green yeah and that area that's normally horrific is actually not too bad this year so that that was one thing that worked pretty well but um but yeah it's always an uphill an uphill and, task and how if you don't mind me asking, James, how would, you know, mental health is a a buzzword, a buzz phrase, probably has been for a decade now. Um, in greenkeeping, you know, bigger, I won't say jumped on the bandwagon, but they did sort of 18 yeah. months ago. Um, and, you know, it's whether they whether prioritising it is the right word. I think they have become aware of it because us as bigger members i'm a bigger member again a greenkeeper on and off for over 20 years now we you know who has suffered quite severely with addiction anxiety blah 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 mm. um there is a lot of people within the industry who who need help as everyone in every industry does but um how does a wet winter where with a no closure policy your deputy head greenkeeper so when the boss is off the buck stops with you. How does that affect James when it's pissing it down with rain and the golfers might be knocking on the door saying, you know, are we good to go? Can we go? You you see them perhaps not going where you might want them. You see your grass quality of turf grass declining. You see your coverage declining. You know, in November, you're still not even a quarter of the way through winter, realistically, and you're already losing coverage. How does that affect you personally? And would you be able to to sort of give us a slight insight as to how it might affect a team as well, a greenkeeping team? Uh, well, to start it, Steve had a lot of days off last winter <laughs> because the rain was that bad and he had a lot of days to take. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you'd be watching this probably, right? So uh, thanks for that, Steve. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was my first sort of, um, like, when I'm not going to say when you're just a greenkeeper, because when you're just a greenkeeper, you still got responsibilities. But going into a management role then, it, how can I put it? What, not a shock to the system, but when you're faced with your first sort of dilemmas, it is a bit, oh, I've got to make the right decisions now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Luckily, I've got a good relationship with the management here. So, you know, if I tell them or recommend something, they do tend to listen all the time, in all fairness yeah. to them. So I can't fault them for that. But, um, but yeah, I th there was a lot of days that, like, I don't really suffer with mental health. I am quite confident and quite strong mentally. I had to be with the snooker growing up. I know that's a different story now, but... Um, you know, yeah. playing a, a sport like that, you have to be strong mentally. So that that did help um, growing up and obviously uh, being a greenkeeper now. But I, I'm not going to say I'm invincible because there was days last winter where I just thought it's time to hang up. <laughs> I'm not going to say hang up. I, I could actually say hang up the waterproofs, not the jacket. <laughs> I mean, I know... 
I know a couple of your tweets um, because you, you're very honest on Twitter, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get the impression that you were struggling as such. I, I took it more as as just very honest and from the heart. But it was it was obvious to me. Well, I think it was obvious to me reading some of your tweets that you know you were at the point of you know you'd done everything you could. You mm. you were doing your best. Steve was doing his best to support you and you were doing your best to support the guys sort of lower down the chain to you. But the weather just wasn't allowing you to do anything. So, no. I mean, you're tread. I don't want to make a joke treading water because of that much, but you were <laughs> treading water in a professional sense. Um, yeah. But realistically, we know turf being the nature of the beast when it's zero degrees and it's asleep as such it's you know not necessarily dormant but it's not growing um if the golf course is open it is going to deteriorate and how do you so what what are you able to because it's something that i struggled with you know i'm in my first role as as head greenkeeper i've been doing it for nine months now um i had a deputy well done on that by the way (laughs) I had a deputy position in 2007. Didn't last very long. That's another podcast. But in that in-between period, I had not been in a management role. So Mm. I found myself struggling with a very small team and we had good access to the golf course. But I struggled with keeping myself and the guys busy. You know, sure, or we Mm. don't have a dartboard up. We might need to get one next winter. But... um, we're a small site with limited chainsaw licenses, limited trees. Um, what do you guys do? Um, I don't want to sort of delve into any trade secrets, but are you have, have you got enough around the shed? Did you did did you get out? Yeah, and sort of- I mean, I know it sounds stupid, but it, there is always something to do. I mean, yes, you do get days where you're just looking around and you think, <laughs> oh my god, you know, like literally, what can you do? I mean, yeah, I'm not going to beat around the bush there are days where you physically can't do anything yeah. and, me- and mentally you just you, you don't want to do anything I know it sounds awful because you're still getting paid at the end of the day but even the management have, have come over now and again and just gone boys when you just go home <laughs> you know yeah it's just even if you've got to work the time back when it's drier you know and um but no yeah there's always something to do I mean whether it's making new markers or whether it's um Shoveling water out of bunkers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's always good in something, isn't there, mate? Yeah, I mean, we do we do do a lot of drainage work <clears throat> during the winter, so we, we you know we fixed a few drains and that. I mean, we do get absolutely soaking in the process doing it, yeah. but it is jobs that do well. It does need doing because obviously it drain clogs. Anyway, you know you don't have to be a rocket scientist if it drain clogs. You're going to have problems all year round with it. So we do uh, try and do as much as we can uh, by hand. Obviously, by hand, it takes a lot longer, but uh, it's rewarding at the end of it, I suppose, you know. Yeah. But, no, um, well, well, like I say, you're, if anyone who's watching this probably already follows you on social media, I'd suggest. But if you're new to this podcast or you're not a greenkeeper, but you'd like to sort of learn or something, Go over and follow James's profile. It's very, very funny. It's also very informative and, dare I say, interesting. Um, you talked about uh, learning potentially new skills there, James, and you know, doing the drainage and the work in-house. And I'm, 
it's not really going to lead me on to the next point, but let's let's get there anyway. Um, okay. This apprentice award that you because you're you've been greenkeeping for a long time, so it's it's a funny thing to talk to to think of you as an apprentice because you're not as such. But would you mind explaining to us? The award, the very prestigious award that you ended up, I believe, finishing a runner-up in. Uh, could yes. you talk us briefly through how you ended up getting put forward for the award and and the process and and how you feel about it all now, looking back that the you know that the award's been dished out and and you've done so well. Yeah, um, well, it started obviously when I first started greenkeeping, which is it'll be twenty years next year. So it does sound a bit weird when you mention apprenticeship. But when I was in uh, Lakeside, I wasn't put through any of my qualifications. So I built up all the experience. I knew how to do, not virtually everything, but everything that you need to know in greenkeeping. Uh, the great thing about Steve was he kind of made, not my own boss, but he left me to it. Yeah. And it might sound a bit frightening, but I learned so much from that because when something goes wrong, he wasn't always there. So you had to learn how to fix things like setting the machine, dropping the height, lowering the cut, you know, setting the machine, backlapping, you name it. We had to learn to do it, you know? Yeah. So that, that, that was brilliant. Anyway, moving on from that, uh, when I uh, came to my stake then, the uh, government were... Uh, can I put it? They were doing um, a scheme where if it was your, I think it was if your first, if you're in the job, then starting off, you haven't been there for a certain number of years, they were doing a free apprenticeship. So I'd done the level two, which was brilliant because obviously I knew everything I was doing in the level two. So I flew through that in the first two years. So um, they offered me the level three. I had to do the level three uh, turf management course. So I asked Steve, he agreed. He said, yeah, go for it. So I'd done the uh, level three. Then, um, oh, by the way, I won a college award during that as well, which was yep. um, pretty good. That was the um, the college awards I was um, for basically done a brilliant portfolio. Very proud of that, to be honest. Here. I still got it it's in my drawer. <laughs> I always look at it now and again. Even when I done the videos, I was looking back <laughs> over it. Um, but yeah, so then after that finished, then they said, "Where do you want to go from here?" And I thought, "I'm moving up. You know, possibly a manager one day. Why not do a management apprenticeship?" So the government again doing the same scheme. If you earn under a certain amount of uh, money, I think it was, you could do the course for free. So I done a leadership and management apprenticeship, and seven years later, <laughs> I finished the apprenticeship. But the college entered me into the Wales Apprentice uh, uh, Wales Apprentice of the Year awards, which is quite a big award because it's all of the apprentices in Wales as plumbers, electricians, uh, you know, carpentry, you yeah. name it, BT, Open Reach, Sky, anything that's got an apprentice. That is the, the award. And obviously they they seen something I liked in my application and they put me forward for it. I just come up shy. I honestly, I really thought I was going to win it, but there's a lot of good apprentices out there. And um, But no, I was proud to to finish running up. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, be a finalist in that award was massive to me and it's always on the CV. So yeah. 
but yeah, that's where when you mention apprentice, I it does sound a bit funny, but when people hear the backstory, it's not like I was just starting out in greenkeeping. It's only it's like the last seven years, all I've done is education. Yeah. So like and you're away from away from the golf, you have a, a family and you're you're not just James the Greenkeeper, are you? Yeah, I, was... I spent oh, I honestly I spent so many nights doing this management apprenticeship because it, it's nothing to do with greenkeeping as well. It's just all management. So okay. it, I, I was looking at some questions. Google couldn't even help me because <laughs> I didn't even know what to ask it. So yeah, I had many sleepless nights because I, I just, I generally couldn't answer questions because I had no idea what it was about. But once the tutors, which the tutors are brilliant in Bridgend, once they explained what it was, because it, it, the way they, they asked the questions, they, they asked them in a, how can I put it, something only management terms where you know people will understand yeah. and of course I'm not used to that and then when when they put it in layman terms and I was like oh why didn't they just say that I said well they gotta look professional asking these yeah. questions yeah. you know but I was like oh now you've said it like that I know how to answer that you know what I mean but I had to word it then uh, a bit more effective they didn't like the word boss I remember that if I ever talk about a boss it's manager you're not allowed to mention the word yeah. boss so that that was kind of drummed into me but um but no it's brilliant I you know I feel like I could walk anywhere now not, not even in greenkeeping like if i had to walk into a management role i know what i need to do to manage people how to manage a project managing budgets yeah. you know anything manage a problem with i think i done one unit on uh, customer satisfactions and you know how to treat the customer and it was really good i, I learned an awful lot so, excellent and i think probably what it, it goes to show is that we are none of us are ever not too old, but we're never too long in any job to, to learn something new, are you? Like you say, you've been in the industry for best part of 20 years and the last seven been studying towards this this management. But there, there there's always something. I mean, I'm fortunate enough that me and my apprentice, who's actually just finished his level two, so he's not my apprentice anymore. Uh, I inherited, I got lucky, I inherited him with two two uh, sections to go and he's passed with distinction. But me and him are going to head up to, to Leicester City training ground actually and do a two-day irrigation course at some oh, point brilliant. in July. Um, so it, it'll be very good for Mason. It'll be good for me because it was a good few years back where I had my two years as a self-taught irrigation technician. Um, so... <laughs> It's good, and I'm looking forward to that. But I, I myself, sort of found myself in the position where, okay, my contract says I'm a head greenkeeper. I've got a small team I'm in charge of. I could have been, you know, I could have, if I wasn't careful, I could have been very guilty of sort of sitting on my hands and and not going out and learning something new. And I'm hoping that this irrigation course will be the start of me learning some more industry related skills i guess because the last two years really what i've been learning is is podcasting and i've been getting on at work but i haven't i haven't done anything i passed my level three in 2016 i think the year my daughter was born so i haven't actually done in any industry qualification since but yeah. i'm wittering on right before we we have got i put my tweet out earlier james and i have got two questions to finish the podcast with we're not going to finish the podcast for a little while yet um okay. There's there's something I want to pick your brains about. I said it at the start. This is a yeah. bit personal for me, but but uh, I just want to pick your brains. And it's fungicide-free greenkeeping. Now, 
this is something we could get Dr. Dempsey on in the future to discuss <laughs> some in-depth stuff. But because uh, I'm certainly not a scientist, I don't think you're <laughs> a scientist as such. But hey, if he's coming on, I'm going to do a course on astrophysics first, so I can understand what he's on about. Well, any, but anyone in the industry, anyone in the industry will know that you know there's a lot of stuff fungicides amongst other things coming off the market you know i think everyone is at rushing out to top up their heritage max stocks as we speak because we all know that's coming off the shelves at some point in june i think we'll have till next march to to use it and long live anyway i don't know how how some of these big courses are gonna they're 200 liters that they're buying i don't know how they're gonna use all them by next march but let's see um (laughs) so james fungicide fungicide you know to treat Fungus, basically, to treat a a turf disease. Um, yeah. You know, when we talk about uh, what do we, when we talk about an insecticide to sort of you know get rid of a bug. When we talk about a fungicide in layman's terms, we're talking about disease management. You know, and in the UK, we're looking at sort of things like Dollar Spot. We're looking at Fusarium Patch. We're looking mm. at things that are going to get into our Stressed finer grasses are premium playing surfaces, are our greens. Realistically, it's yeah. what people put on. It's what people, to to some extent, grade us on, mark us on. You've got good greens. To a yeah, lot of people, you're a good golf course. Yeah, it's, it's um, what people come to play in it. They come to play the greens. I mean, yes, you can have good fairways, tees, rough, whatever, but they, they always remember the greens. Yes. That's, that's the main priority, you know. And a golf green can be cut, can be mown anywhere between, let's say, let's not get controversial, two millimetres and six <laughs> millimetres um, at various times of the year. Don't tell anyone I'm still cutting at five mil, for God's sake. Um, hey, we, we cut an eight mil in the winter. Perfect. I, I, and I, I would it. as well. My bent grass has gone bonkers at five mil, so I, I'd push it up another three mil. Um, but what? Again, I'm probably talking they want to go and get on with it's due but we cut our grass short it gets a bit stressed stressed grass is yeah. open to disease when disease pressure is high when you're looking in sort of september august september october depending on the temperatures moisture levels humidity blah 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 we don't want disease on our greens because what it does is it affects the health of the turf and if the turf gets too poorly it stops basically growing it starts dying. We end up with patches of no grass on our greens. And all of a sudden, our lovely summer greens are patchy, rubbish greens. But because we're a lucky industry and we are allowed to spray fungicides, so we go out, you go out and mow your greens in the morning, you spot something you're not too happy with, and you say to Steve, I've spotted something I don't like the look of, I'm going to go and spray it. And if you do it, if you catch it early enough, Three or four days later, in theory, you've given it a headache and it starts to recede. And in theory, it shouldn't be much of a problem. But you guys down there in Wales decided we're not going to use any fungicide. It's brave. Another conversation to be had that I think in three or four years time, none of us will be able to use fungicide. I think we'll probably address that in another podcast. Why did you decide to adopt this, James? And how much more stress has it added to your professional life? Right. Well, I go back to basics now, right? Because when I, I be honest with you, I'll hold my hands up. 
eight years ago, seven years ago, I didn't really know a lot about disease. I mean, I, I, I did, but I didn't know the in-depth of it, right? And when I went to college, the tutor there, fantastic explanation. He said, you'll put your heavy feet on, they'll go nice and green, lovely, golfers will love it. All of a sudden, you'll stretch the cell wall, the pathogen will attack, you'll have your fungus uh, disease, then you'll um, spray your fungicide, and then when that's finished, you'll go back to your heavy feed. And he said, you have this perfect triangle. And I thought, you know what? That You could not explain it anywhere. And he said, the only one that's going to benefit from that is your rep. Yeah. And I was like, well, I like the rep. So, you know, <laughs> I like nice some car. <laughs> Yeah. So, but, um, but yeah, that, that is going back to basics. So, I mean, uh, Steve, going back four and a half, five years, spraying a fungicide. And he was like... <sighs> you know what he said I'm, I'm just gonna let it go i'm gonna see how bad it can get and it it didn't go horrific what are we sorry to interrupt are we talking about some fusarium or yeah sorry yeah. yes um yeah. fusarium yeah we yeah. we don't i we don't suffer with a lot of other yeah. diseases it's mainly fusarium we have a couple of other uh you know like red thread and uh, dollar yeah. might have a little bit of dollar spot you know but mainly um Fazerium. And he just said one particular day, he said, you know, I'm going to try and leave it go. I mean, you know, worst comes to worst, we've got a um, fungicide, but we'll see how we go. And I said, well, the most important part of greenkeeping is growing grass. So why don't we invest in putting more seed in the greens, you know, get more good grasses in the greens? So he was like, yeah, that's brilliant. Obviously, uh, you do your verde cutting, what have you, and um, we put as much seed in as we could. And luckily that year, we didn't suffer too badly with disease. But then the next step we did is halved the feeds. So we went very, very low on um, uh, feeds. We went more biological. Yeah. So we did the more biological route, which has helped a lot. Um, I'm not going to mention, obviously, um, you know, companies and things like that, but there's certain companies out there do some fantastic products. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we went down the biological route. Very, very low inputs of nitrogen, because nitrogen is can be... A bit lively. Know, it can. I mean, some golf... I, I'm not, I'm not going to knock... Uh, greenkeepers for putting loads of nitrogen out if that's what they want to do yeah i mean that's fine you know it, it will give you a nice lush green surface it'll make the course look you know you'll see it from space and some if you you go heavy with it but we thought no let's go low feed you know yes the greens can look a little bit hungrier than um normal but that we found the harsher the environment you can put them through the stronger they can get. It's very similar to a human having a, an illness and you're shoving them with antibiotics all the time. They're not going to, you know, gain any immunity to well, it's, it's diseases, in- you know, and things like that. And not diseases as such, but, you know, illnesses. And it's the same with the greens. You know, you keep shoving a fungicide on, eventually they're just going to, you know, sort of, I don't know, adapt to it. I'm not going to say enjoy their monthly dose of fungicide but well, i mean without like i say we won't mention product names i mean this isn't a particularly popular podcast there won't be many watching 
But let's not mention any names. But I mean, down to where I am, let's realistically, there's a couple of things on the market now that I can spray. Um, this time next year, there's probably, well, there will only be two, really. Uh, they might have different labels on them. There'll be only two active agents out there. And I think probably by next year, there might only be one active agent, that, that active ingredient. Um, and as you explained there, James, if I, if I go and spray what would be sensible or normal practice, if you will, I would go out and if I've got a problem in October, I would spray product A. And then my rep would say, if you if you if you have the same problem six to eight weeks later, spray product B. And then again, if you need to go again, go back to A to avoid yeah. building. So so the plant doesn't get too used to it. And it is the mm. same with humans and the antibiotics. You know, mm. I'm I'm allergic to penicillin as a human, so I've been exposed to all manner of different antibiotics <laughs> over the years. Uh, but normally, a normal human being that I apparently am not, we would just treat the penicillin-based antibiotic. Yeah. But if we continue to treat a human with penicillin, then the body builds up natural resistance. Turf does mm. exactly the same. Um, how it's 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 you must have saved some money uh the money you've saved you invested in or in seed i don't know what sort of seed you yeah. invested. um how is is that is that is that you now as a golf club as you and steve as a sort of a management team is is that it is that the decision yeah. is there still some product at the back of the cabinet just in case um, right. Honestly, no. There's absolutely zero fungicide in the shed. But like I said, where we haven't got fungicide, we bought obviously more seed. Some indifferent we tried, which I forgot to mention. Um, obviously, we rammed the fescue in at the start of the season because obviously we got no irrigation. Well, we have got irrigation, but it might as well be no irrigation. The amount yeah. that goes out. Something else I've always put on Twitter, so I'm not going to go down that road. But um, yeah, we ram as much fescue in as we can. Because obviously uh, we do go quite dry up here. Believe I know it sounds crazy me saying that, but we do actually go very dry when it um, it does dry out. So the more fescues we got, obviously it can thrive a bit. Uh, the greens can thrive a bit better. But in the winter, then because fescue doesn't like wet weather or I say wet weather, prolonged wet weather where it's saturated constantly, we thought let's try bent. Because yeah. bent does like the wetter conditions. So we did the bent and lo and behold, we actually had a really good take. I think we done it in the August. Obviously, I think August is the prime time for uh, seeding because obviously it's so humid, it's damp. And I'm not lying, we put the bent in and I swear to God, within like eight days, you could see it and it was there already, seven to eight days. Um and yeah, we had a really, really good take with it. And the bent has thrived. It's, it's done well. I'm not saying our greens are perfect at the minute because they've been absolutely, you know, bombarded with leather jackets. We have had the university out this year, which they have helped a lot. Like uh, the famous green I put in my first ever video, that green is actually brilliant this year. We're, we're going to be having the data back from them uh, pretty soon. So I'm interested to see what uh, comes out in the results. But, um, but yeah, on the greens, obviously, that are untreated, obviously, because with trials, you've got to have um, treated and untreated. The yeah. ones that haven't had anything are just, well, they, <laughs> they've literally eaten everything. 
literally everything. It's incredible how much of the golf course they've had this year. They've had a real field day. Like it's like they've been in Harvester or something. They've just gone to town on it. Do you know what I mean? And that is absolutely heartbreaking, isn't it? And how I don't want to get into a long discussion on this one, James. But how how have the membership been? Because obviously that is something that is is as almost as out of your control as can be. I mean, obviously there is a product that we're recommended to, to spray mid November. Uh, I, I myself chose to spray that for, for the amount of money we were talking. It it seemed like a no brainer to me. People listening to this might not agree. I I chose to go down that route. How, how are you able to, or are you able to convey this to your membership that look, literally we cannot do anything about this. Um, well, we got a um, we had a new committee this year, Greens Committee, and they were very keen. So they wanted to learn. So we explained, you know, we were showing them these areas, and, and they generally thought, oh, it's winter footfall, you know, it, it'll recover. But once we explained to them that it's not the wet, it's actually leather jackets, they were absolutely horrified. When they realised what they actually did, they have been like, well, I'd be honest with you, they've actually been very, very supportive because now they understand what they do. They're like, every meeting, like, I I, I can't believe how many we've seen out there. Because they know now, they can see, you know where you see the little hole where you think it's worms? We've shown them the difference between a worm cast and where the little leather jackets come out. And you can see them, some of the fairways, on a dewy morning they're absolutely plastered and they and they can see now oh my god you know the amount that's been eaten yeah and again it's when i say it's helped it hasn't helped because the course is still getting eaten but because they understand now when they're in the bar if they played on a saturday and one particular member says fairways are ropey and they they've got the ammunition there then they're able to say well look we've been told now in the committee meetings, this is what's happening. And then word does spread, you know, golf clubs are like that. And I think majority of the membership understand now they are, they are a very good membership up here. Like I said, you get the one or two, but that's at any golf club, but they are quite understanding, you know? So. I mean, it's excellent to hear. And uh, I think we all, it's, it's easy, easy to say, or, when a new committee comes in, it can be um, a potentially very interesting time for the management mm-hmm. team on the greenkeeping side. And it's good to hear that they've come in and you've been able to help educate them and that they've been receptive to that is the main thing, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, I've only been in this role for a short while, but over the years, having been involved with committees at cricket clubs and other such things, I know how funny those situations can be. And you, you do more often than not, you have people, people who, who, who know best. And sometimes it is very, very hard to change the way they think and approach things, but it's excellent to hear that your new committee are very supportive and, long live that um james let's get on to another subject that is what the first podcast we chatted about was your content i mean i've been waffling on you've been talking about the apprentice we've been talking about greenkeeping in general people will want to know what your plans are Uh, i've 
because uh, we've logged in a bit early, my plan was to um, to go through a few of your videos. We've logged in early because of me, not because of you. So it's my fault that I didn't spend 20. I was going to look through your last three or four videos just to get my brain. Clicking. No, you didn't. <laughs> I, I did it, but I know over the winter you got quite good on your uh, Movie Maker app and you released <laughs> some more fun content it was excellent to see you interacting with a friend of mine over in the states mr paul hurst um, yeah really good um what is the future or is there a future for james and his greenkeeping content because i think i don't think you exhausted content last year because you put out the seven or eight really informative videos there's so much more to do where are you at personally i know we talked about trolls i mean i I've exper i experience a little bit with regards to the podcast a little bit with regards to my my alcoholism you know i've had i've experienced those blooming silly messages i've experienced being blocked by people within this industry and people yeah. who, who don't want not here to name names people who know me know the golf club in the town that i live at blocked mm -hmm. me because they don't like certain things um what, what's where are you with the content is there going to be more industry related helpful content are you looking at more of the fun side of content or are you not even thinking about content uh, right well obviously because it was a tough winter completely lost the plot i'll be honest with you. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I was just looking over the course and i thought I I just don't i don't even know what i can't do a video on how to swim on a golf course you know and I just thought greenkeeping, in my opinion, can be far too serious. I mean, it is, like you said, it, I don't want to mention names, but I just find sometimes it's far too serious, the industry. And I don't know whether it frightens people from joining the industry or I, I don't know. But I just thought, you know what, I'm going to have a bit of fun. If people like it, fantastic, which... You know, some of them did extremely well. So, in fact, some of the videos did the funnier ones done better than my original ones. Yes, so, some of the num some of the numbers, some of the analytics were very, oh, very, very promising. One in particular, done where what society thinks you do and what you know, my <laughs> wife considered that one just exploded. That did, and uh, I just thought, ah, oh, it's time to have a little bit of fun. You know, I done the serious videos. I thought, ah, oh, like you said, Paul Hurst, great guy. I thought he, you know, he's uh, quite dry sense of humor. And I thought, ah, I'm giving it a go on it. I'm not, uh, I'm not frightened to put myself out there. And like I said, the, the video's done quite well. But as far as the um, the serious content, like I did, I actually did do um, a serious one last week. I think it was until yeah, the fairs. Yeah, Fezant interrupted me at mid-flow, but I, the video was going well, so I I, I kind of just let it roll. But, um, yeah, it was the start of the season, and I thought, you know, I'll go through the pitch mark again, how to correctly repair it, even though there's not, you know, a correct way. There's a a way where it'll repair quicker then. That, that's the best way to put it. So I thought I'd put that out. And, like, with the bunkers, I see so many videos with bunker raking and they're all about pushing the sand back. And yes, that's great. And that is the correct way, but only with bunkers that have been properly renovated and have proper bases. Can you do that? Cause if you've got original bunkers, which we have, that were built 
I don't know how many years ago. You, you, you've probably seen them in, over the years where they've got a little bit of stone in the faces. And if you go in, if you go in, if you're watching these particular videos now, and you're thinking, "Oh, I got to stand on the edge now, and I got to ram this sand back," well, of course, if they ramming the the rake into that side and they you know loosen all these stones, that's why I said if you're pushing it back, just be aware. You know, you can tell the difference with a rubber crumb base or a matted base to a an old school bunker. You know, so I just thought I'd pull that back out, and it it done okay, but I I don't know. I feel like something. Uh, again, Paul Hurst mentioned it. The algorithm on Twitter has gone a little bit, you know, it's not, hard. not it's yeah, hard. not not dead, but it, it's like as if it's it's not. Either no one cares about them anymore, which I I wouldn't like to think that, but I I feel like sometimes it's not actually getting to where it used to go. Does that make I sense? Because when the videos were new and fresh, people were seeing them all the time, but now I, I think yeah, I I mean I myself. In my new role, I keep mentioning the new role, but in my new role, I took a step back from the podcasting. So my numbers that aren't, let's be honest, my, an average podcast I put out will get 50 to 60 listens. An average YouTube video will get 50 to 60, something like this with someone like yourself might go to 150. And I've had some, some of my alcohol content that I had some, prominent people off Twitter on that we went to three or 400. It's, it's not huge, but I noticed, but I've noticed my, my tweets. Um, certainly the interactions on my tweets have dropped and I think everyone's have. And with someone like yourself, James, you know, you featured quite prominently on Michael Woods turf influencers list in the end. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you should, your numbers should be going up almost naturally because just because you are you are now in the next echelon as from where you started you're, you're moving up it's natural progression but you you're pushing the content and it surprised me just when i had a little look at sort of that it almost looks a bit like you're stalling and it probably feels a bit like it's stalled to you but i think i think that's just twitter at the minute everyone's yeah. going on the elon's fucked it up and i think he has fucked it up, to be honest but um i don't i think again we could talk about uh, you featuring on that list i think that's content for another time because we're pushing on time wise we've been rattling on for quite a while now <laughs> would it be all right and i and i've just read this and this is a great question it's a question from lee a guy i've had on the podcast before he's a head greenkeeper up in manchester he's yeah. got a listener question uh, and let's see if me and you can answer it, but I think it's probably going to be a five to 10 minute one anyway. So let okay. me just read the question out uh, yeah. and let's try and answer it without getting too con. It's not a controversial one, but it says, listen, a question. Is it a dying trade? And are teams of six soon to become teams of four as the higher end can afford decent entry rate. I believe he's talking about wages here and others yeah. can't. So I think in that sense, he's suggesting that teams are going to, become smaller um and what may come of the general golf clubs who have this problem will gates need to be shut for good what ideas is there to get new life into greenkeeping so i think lee's posed a couple of questions there uh, and i wouldn't mind answering the first one that i the, the first point where where lee has has mentioned our staff numbers dropping i'm actually in the process of 
looking at my staff numbers and we are, we recently lost a member of staff and I'm thinking for me going in the future, his that those wages might be best spent somewhere else, i.e. on course or in my shed. My machinery fleet isn't ideal. Um, can you have you got any experience, James, within your club or locally? Are you noticing are, are greenkeeping teams getting smaller? Do you think they're going to need to get smaller in the future, or, or are you experiencing growth or or not? Uh, first of all, good question, Lee. If he does watch us back, uh, very good because it, it is a very hot topic, if I'm being honest. And I actually did, believe it or not, this is the one thing I actually did write notes for. Right. So I will mention it. Um, I actually started it by saying I think the industry is in big trouble still. <laughs> so, no, it's I. I agree, and I've done. We've we've done lots of podcasts. I, I don't yeah. think it's unfair to say that, James. I really yeah. don't. So um, I don't know if you've seen. I I can't. I I'm j- I've just joined um, that other. Oh, is it called LinkedIn? Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, because green the Greenkeeping magazine they've done a, a post with. They'd phoned me a while ago and um, we'd had a chat and they mentioned something which was really good. Uh, my eight-year-old son went into school and it was, uh, what do your parents do today? So, of course, he said, oh, my mommy is a carer. And they were like, oh, lovely, uh, you know, responsible job. And he said, yeah, my daddy's a greenkeeper. And he said they just all stared at him. And and, and he told me word for word because he, he doesn't lie. And he said, yeah, they, they, they just looked at me. And I was like, what do you mean they looked at you? And they said, they had no idea what it was. Yeah. And and they, they said, what, what is it? And he said, well, I, don't you know? And so they went on Google on the school computers. First thing they said, ah, he cuts grass. Yeah. First thing they said. Yeah. yeah. Daddy cuts grass. And I was like, there you go. There is the problem straight away. And that is the problem with the industry. It's not recognized as a profession. And I've said that about 20 times until it's recognized as a proper profession, we are going to be going nowhere, unfortunately. Yeah. And I, you know? how is another one? It's, it's a question that I've asked a, a lot of people. Um, so I, in my, I won't use numbers. Uh, where I where I'm at, I am currently paid roughly what other local deputies are paid. I took the position. I knew I, I knew the wage when I took the position. I am not griping about my wage. Um, but if I was a member of my staff, I would be griping about the wage. But I also know because in my position, I also know reasonably well what my golf club is generating monthly, annually. Um, and I know there is not a huge pot of money sat at the back of behind the bar to give my guys the extra 5,000 a year that I think they deserve. Mm. So I appreciate that the golf club could potentially pay them a little bit more, but it's all very well me saying my lad should be paid five grand more because I know that five grand isn't there. To mm. me, the answer seems simple we have to charge more for golf. Yeah. Is it as easy as that for me to say that, James? Do you, can we, everyone keeps saying golf is booming, Tiger's making the odd appearance, Rory's the future, Hovland's going to bring all Mm -hmm. the Scandinavians, golf is booming. 
And then I see that at my at my club we can we offer people twilight golf for under a pound a hole, which I think nothing against my golf club. I think it's crazy because if I go into the bar, I don't drink, but if I buy four pints of lager, someone's going to say that's twenty two pound, and it's going to take me mm. in my bad old drinking days. It's going to take me ten to fifteen minutes to drink that pint of lager. And yeah. we're offering someone a round of golf on, dare I say, an improving golf course. Yeah. And I'm not charging them. We're not charging them what three pints of lager would cost. Yeah. Can we Can we charge more for golf? Yeah, of course you can. Absolutely. And um, I'm just going through my notes again now. Like you said, when the teacher said he cuts grass, anyone can cut grass to a certain degree, right? Keeping it healthy. Yeah. Now, there's the different kettle of fish. And that's why, and I hope golfers are listening to this, and I hope they do listen to it. No one, I'm not going to say appreciate screenkeepers, right? But they don't understand how important they are. Because trying to find a qualified greenkeeper these days is literally virtually it's it certainly in our area is non-existent yeah. lit- I, I literally know virtually everyone in my yeah. area that's how like s- small sort of community it is Do you know what i mean yeah um how, how, yeah sorry james carry on i interrupted yeah, you. Gone, gone, I, I was i was going to ask in in well, in, in the small community, it's even tougher. And I had Anthony Stockwell on the podcast, a, a, a lecturer at Hadlow yeah. College. I remember you saying, and he said it was booming, didn't he? And I, I know I know a lot of people now. And yeah. I can tell you now, not one person has told me the industry is booming. Not He's, one. He, well, Anthony, I mean, Anthony, I was surprised when Anthony told me that the, the amount of people they're getting through the the classroom was strong uh and then but what he did then say was but in his opinion and the the data that he had in front of him these guys who were coming out with their new level two certificates Mm. the majority of them were not retained within the industry after two years so i think that is is a massive problem um and again the the thing is as well right you've only got to look again something i wrote in my notes right Greenkeepers, they work unsociable hours, right? That's not attractive straight away to someone that wants to come into the industry, right? And like I've written beer, Steve has done it, and I and so many course managers have done it, gone in on a Sunday afternoon because they've got a perfect spray window. Now, they could have sacrificed family time there. The wife could have said, you know, should we take the kids down the beach, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I, I, I've got to get this product out. You know, it's my own. I know you don't get that time back. And yeah. this is where I said the greenkeepers are really underappreciated sometimes because the golfers don't see that. They are sacrificing time. They'll never get back with their family to give them the greens they want for the summer. And of course, when they mourn about that one particular day, then about the greens, that's why it hurts greenkeepers so much because they think they put so much effort in. You literally end. I'm not, I, you, all right, you can't see really end. I'm not caring because I don't. I always care. I'm one of them. I, I just, I can't. If something's not right, 
I don't leave until it's right. And that's the way greenkeepers are. They're professionals yeah. and they're perfectionists. But I wish they would understand how important they are. And like you said, golf is booming right now. Greenkeeping isn't booming right now. And that's what's sad. You know? Where? So, I mean, there, there isn't an answer. And we, what could you... Could you have have it in your notes there? I don't know if you have, James. Have you got any ideas or how would, you know, if I put you, if I put you in charge of, if I made you a greenkeeping secretary under the new government um, and asked you for your, for your policy to make greenkeeping great again, um, have you got any thoughts on that? How would you do it? Well, I will say my wife's daughter, her boyfriend at the time was... 16 17 we were looking for an apprentice and i said to him what about greenkeeping and he, you know he gave me the odd look and i and he said oh what you know what does it entail and i said well you know we're in at five <laughs> straight away five in the morning he said, <laughs> and honestly on, honestly god now he said you're having a laugh mate yeah and and li- that is literally it I, I couldn't go any further with the conversation as soon as i said well we're in at five and he was like five yeah, five. He's like five in the morning, five o'clock. Kept saying it, and I was like, "Yeah, five o'clock." So like, that's getting, getting up at four. Getting up yeah. at four. Yeah, like, I, I ain't getting up that time. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Well, you know, what? What?" And I, and I, I really do, to answer that question, Sue, so I, I do not know how we can make it more attractive. I, I really don't, unless you pay in astronomical money. Now, if you were paying money that was, you know, pretty decent, let's say, you know, like what um, more than like Aldi and Tesco are paying, if, you, if you're going to be going considerably higher than that, maybe you'd have a chance. But again, it's a hard job physically, mentally. So even with the pay increase, you know, the greenkeepers are the greenkeepers now. They're the hardcore. They've done it from the start. Yeah. There's not many new ones coming in now yes there are i say there's not there, there, there are new ones but it's very fine how many are coming in you know if we go back to potentially and look at lee's question uh, and, and maybe look at it from a slightly different angle if you use me and you as examples james people who've been in the industry for a reasonable amount of time and i'm you know i'm 43 now i've got a lot of years left working whether i like it or not um i am you know reasonably experienced i'm working to a tight budget where although i do have a spray cabinet full of of a few things to help me out i i i am limited so i am having to you, you know find ways to manage my turf you know without relying on the sprayer you know and we talked off air I, i've been out and run my first sort of ninja tine aeration pro yeah and i've got small greens i've got 0.8 hectares of greens it took me you know john deere air core on the back of an old tractor but i got my greens done in a day and a half mm. my god did it upset people but i've got them done uh, yeah. and i know it's you know it's it's had some one it's going to have some wonderful benefits mm. um are, is the like me and you is our stock increasing because if the kids aren't coming up, you know, I don't consider myself a young man at 43, but, uh, 
you know, five years from now, could me and you be looking, could the industry be looking at us and thinking, well, these guys have still got 20 years left. There's no 25 year old head greenkeepers coming up. Um, mm. Could we be looking at an industry where 45 is the new 25? Um, you know, you could very well be right. We, uh, could we many, find us, yeah. yeah, there's not many young head greenkeepers, that, you know, like you said, 25, there are the odd couple, but there's not many. You know, if you, if you actually went club to club, it's probably, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you're an average of the ages, it's probably north of 30, would you say? That, 35, do you know I, what I mean? If yeah, not a lot older, I, I mean, not being, you know. <laughs> local, local, I am, I, I am... The young, no, I'm not the youngest head greenkeeper locally, but I am. I think I think the lad at, at Prince's is probably younger than me, um, but yeah, local. And we've got some prominent clubs around us. Uh, yeah, I've just noticed Lee. I I didn't see it, but Lee added a little bit on to to the tweet, uh, and this is an interesting one that I think. Um, he just says at the end, could the RNA help? By putting more information out about greenkeeping, as no golfer seems to know who who or what bigger are, um, can could we? I think I could potentially be looking for an apprentice next year, early next year, depending on how how my finances work out. I could be looking for an apprentice. And we had a discussion at work the other day that there's. I don't think there's good apprentices out there. So I was discussing whether or not I might just be best trying to source a young person, male or female, who has an interest in golf, because at least then they want to be on the golf course. I can maybe turn them into a greenkeeper. But do, yeah, it's a good question. Do do young golfers know what greenkeeping is? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. No. No, but, but again, that's a good question. I mean, no, I don't. I, I, I don't because I don't think they know. Like, like I said, it come back to the cutting grass. I think that is genuinely. And yeah, OK, it, it is in summer. You know, it, it is the majority of what you do is cut grass. But there is more to it. Yeah. You know, you can't just put a mower over the turf and it's going to miraculously stay stunning for the entire year. Do you know what I mean? You you do your routines and your, your spray windows and, you know. So, I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I, I don't know if the RNA can help. I mean, yes, they could put something out there, but genuinely, and answer truthfully, do you think a lot of people are going to bother reading it? No, my my no, and my I, I've I've tried to be better behaved on Twitter in recent yeah. times, and not necessarily in my new role. Although that has, you know, I have to respect my position and my new club, and I can't be the the guy I used to be on Twitter, and I don't want to be, to be perfectly honest. Um, but I I'm still of the opinion that certain prominent place here you know thing not necessarily i don't think they are doing as much as they can um i don't th i don't think it's targeted well i mean i had an experience of applying for 
future turf managers uh, and I'm not, I, I didn't make the cut. Um, I, I didn't expect to make the cut, to be perfectly honest. And I was not surprised one little bit with who did make the cut. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, James. Uh, you said I, I, I just don't think, like when, when come back to Lee's question, I don't think the RNA could put a nice article out. It'll read nice. You know, it'll look great to us. Again, I come back, are people going to read it? And this is why I did the videos, because I thought that the original videos now. Yeah. Because I thought people, if I I put a post up with a, you know, maybe a picture explaining what verticutting is, for example, now, yes, a few people will look at the picture and they go, oh, yeah, yeah, blah, blah. But if somebody can just watch something nice and short, a minute, minute and a half, two minutes, and explain it simple visually people like to see short videos yeah. do you know what i mean you click on a video and it's 15 minutes long it's like oh no nah, i'm not watching nah. that I, 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 I like that even though the video could be actually brilliant you know you click yeah. on it's 15 minutes like oh, nah, i am watching that you click on and you see like 90 seconds 100 seconds you think oh i i'll, I'll watch this and if you can grip them with that first bit which is what i did in the beginning they'll wait for your next one yeah. And I had so many people messaging me, oh, what's next week? You know, and, it, and it did, it done so well. Uh, you know, it did fizzle out. It did sort of run out of content because, it, you know, there is a, quite a bit you can do, but it does come to a to a head, you know. But if the RNA could do something like that, maybe. But but again, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't I don't know. That's, that's a, another good question from Lee, but I, I don't think... I think I think what we need to do, uh, and I've been talking about it for a long time. I need to get yourself and a few others. I need. I think we need another roundtable discussion, and it might be another roundtable discussion that just goes round in circles. But I think everyone I speak to, I haven't done a podcast like this for a few months now, where where I've asked another fellow greenkeeper, and it always comes back. We always start talking about people aren't you know could we pay people more mm. can we attract young people because whether we like it or not uh, we have to start we well, we have to find we have to find a way of attracting a certain certain type of person be it a school leaver be it a you know i read an article not so long ago was it the uk or was it in the us i can't remember but they were suggesting that x or, or you know, retired veterans, army leavers might be suited to the army. You know, a lot of predominantly men in the army will, if they sign up at 16 and they're done with their 21, 22 years by the time they're in their, you know, early 40s. Um, yeah. So they are in the prime. Hopefully they're in their physical, not necessarily their prime, but they should be in physically good nick. They're yeah. used to a fairly disciplined regime and early morning shouldn't. Do. So we might not be able to attract the school leavers, but can we attract some, a, a group of people where there is a steady influx year after year, be it the army, because we don't, we can't be, we can't be attracting retired teachers. We can't be attracting retired people because the job is too physical. You might be, you might be lucky enough to have someone knock on your door and say, 
do you need anyone to cut fairways this summer? I could do that. Well, that might be helpful in the short term, but it's not a fix, is it? So no. I'd love to get some more ideas of who we think we could attract to the industry because I don't know personally. I'd be interested to get some more discussions on... on that, how... would, that would be a great podcast, that one. If you could get a good few people to come on, and I, I urge anyone, if they're listening now, to come on you know, your podcast to do it because we need people to speak up because, you know, a lot of people could have, actually have good ideas, but they just, they just sit on the end. They just sit back and think, oh, well, you know, is what it is. I think, you know? I think if we could get, if I could find a golf club manager and if I could find a, a pro or a director of golf, because I would be really interested. I have a very good relationship with my director of golf. Um, I would be interested to know, to hear from someone who who believes that they could be generating or or has some ideas and how they could generate how the, the golf club could generate more money. It's it's all very well for me to sit here and say if you're charging four pound for a bacon sandwich in the clubhouse, charge six. If you're mm. charging eighteen pound for a round of golf, charge twenty five. And then mm. Stu, the greenkeeper, can have thirty thousand pound more to spend on benzene. It's easy yeah. for me to say that, but I'd be I'd love to hear because we might have a director of golf come in and say, you know, I've got loads of it. The phone's ringing red hot. I could charge fifty quid for a round of golf, but mm. we might have someone who says. I charged someone 15 quid for a round of golf the other day and they nearly fell over. They thought it was too much. So we, mm -hmm. and I, I guess that will be geographical as well, because we all know, I would assume someone working in London earning 60,000 pounds a year is going to, is not going to be too worried about paying 200 pound to play at the London club. Someone in your small community may be working in a local business or working for themselves earning 25,000 pound a year. Yeah. I can't charge them a hundred pounds. Exactly. So, so got to got to try and cater to them anyway, and that, that's when it is difficult. It is difficult. I don't know if we've answered anything on this podcast, James. I don't know if we've gone through all. Came up with some frigging good questions there. Lee, <laughs> and, uh... Lee, 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 I forget Lee's surname. Sorry, Lee, but Lee was on the podcast. Um, is there anything, James? We've been going for an hour now, mate. People will be going bonkers. They'll be fine. <laughs> but, um, is there anything you wanted to discuss before we sign off? Because you've listened to me. I've posed you a lot of questions. I sent you a, a list of things I'd like to discuss, and we've gone through a few. Things. Is there anything within the industry you want to talk about or, or anything before we will get you back on again, hopefully in the near future. But is there anything you wanted to to go over while while we're here and now, James? Um, do you know what? Not not in particular. No, I I would again, like I said, I would love for people to support this podcast more if they're listening or watching because yeah. I think it's brilliant. I don't think there's enough. Um, what's the word? like communication, but interactions are the right word I've got. Yeah. Enough interaction between the greenkeepers like this. Yes, we chat and say, oh, our course is looking nice now, you know, it's coming into its own, or oh, I hope the weather's better next week. Yeah, that's great. But it'd be great to see all the ones I know and interact with come on something like this. Because I tell you now, I would listen to all of them. If they were all coming on you and they were yeah. talking to you for an hour, I would listen to it because I love it. I love listening to 
to stuff about green keeping. How are they coping with their perfectly draining golf course? And, <laughs> and I, can sit, I can sit there and cry for an hour. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's something. It's something that I want to get back into. And like I say, I made a slightly conscious decision to 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 not stay away from the mic, but I just needed to try and be as good in my new role as I could. Uh, but now I, I can, I am here. This is an hour, you know, I would have been watching the telly if I would. I wouldn't have been planning fertilizer feeds. I'd have been watching the telly. So I have no excuse. I have time to do this. So if you're listening to this and you want to come on, drop me a DM, just find me, you know, if speak to James, he sends you my details, but you know, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. Um, if you're not sure, drop me a DM, say I've got something I'd like to talk about, but I'm not sure if my club want me to. You know, we could do a, a a anonymous, you know, an anonymous chat. We don't have to tell anyone who you are. But James Mattyman, you are a fantastic guest. I feel like... You were a fantastic host. <laughs> we, we chat, not every day. We chat on the text a bit. We go a few weeks without chatting and then we sort of get back in touch. I feel yeah. like I feel like we, we chat quite a lot, but it's been brilliant to catch up for an hour. Um, yeah. We're going to, we will have you back on. Definitely. I, I'd love to say, you know, we, it, it, it'd be good to sort of get together once a month, but it just doesn't happen because we're, we're always too busy. But if we can get together maybe three or four times a year, I think the content really works. And if I can maybe bring another guest to the table and maybe you saw uh, yeah, someone, someone like Albert Einstein Dempsey, you know, yeah, uh... he's, he's on. <laughs> And I do, do you know what, Jimmy the Mower, it, I need to catch up with Jimmy. Yeah, he, um, he'd, he'd be great as well, yeah. And So we'll get a round table. I've got a few more people in mind. But James Matthewman, thank you so much for your time and just thank you for being a wonderful guest, mate. No, thank you very much, Stu. Really enjoyed it. I, I, like I said, I hope it. Um, hope people watch it and I hope people get in touch with you to, to come on the uh, podcast as well, mate. So very much Thanks, appreciate James. it. Thank you, man.